Hey, what's going on? It's Anthony Dean, and you're listening to Change the Game Podcast for Sunday, February 2nd, 2020. What's going on? How are you guys? Um, This week was supposed to be filled with a lot more content. Obviously, the last episode was my first movie episode, talking about my favorite movie from every year, but... This week was supposed to be filled with more NFL and movies content. And then, of course, Sunday happened with the tragic, tragic helicopter crash, which killed nine people. And this episode is going to be pretty much, it's not really going to be a basketball episode. It's more going to start something that I had planned on doing. I just didn't plan on starting this soon, which was doing podcasts dedicated to people. You know, one person basically per episode. You know, somebody who's great in their field, whether it's like a Tom Brady, Randy Moss, maybe even in movies like a Leonardo DiCaprio or Denzel, something like that. But the first episode was always going to be about one Kobe Bryant and that is of course what this episode is going to be all about this is going to be all about the man the myth the legend Kobe Bryant the black mamba the greatest basketball player of all time as we at change the game celebrate the life of the great Kobe Bryant and of course his beautiful daughter Gianna Bryant who were two of the nine people killed in that awful helicopter crash. You know, before I really start getting into, you know, Kobe and everything, you know, about how horrible it is from that aspect, I would like to give my condolences to all of the families involved in this tragedy. And I would like to start this episode by honoring those other victims because there were seven other people on this crash and and we can't forget that despite the travesty of the public figure that was really the head and the reason that everybody knows about this crash but we have to acknowledge and respect the lives of everybody affected because that's what makes this such a a tragedy is not only were two very important people in many of our lives taken from us, but many other people were taken from us, people who were very important to their families and great in their respective fields and just just a sad, sad day, you know, and starting off with John Altobelli, a great, great baseball coach. He was the longest tenured baseball coach in Orange Coast College history guided the Pirates to four California State Community College championships, and had more than 700 victories in his 27 years at school. And unfortunately, John, also on the helicopter with him, was his wife, Carrie, and his 13-year-old daughter, Alyssa, who was a teammate of Gianna Bryant at the Mamba Academy. So they were on the helicopter. Also on the helicopter, Christina Mauser, who's a mother of three and the top assistant coach of the Mamba Girls basketball team. Ara Zobayan, the pilot of the helicopter, who, you know, 
despite what everybody everybody has an opinion about the helicopter and and what went wrong but this was a extremely experienced pilot with more than 10,000 hours of experience flying and everybody who's flown with this guy has just come out and said how nice of a pilot he was and one of their favorites I know Kylie Jenner had came out last week and said how sad she was because she had flown with him piloting before and then also Sarah Chester and Peyton Chester mother and daughter I mean you know you, you just see families get broken and it's just it's so so sad to see this happen and then of course the two biggest victims in terms of media attention and and everything is you know Kobe Bryant and his 13 year old daughter Gianna Bryant and you know when I heard the news I had gotten a text actually from my boss and it said WTF and you all know what that stands for and I was like well why did he text me that something happened at the store or something and so I look at the text and I see that there's a picture over and it says TMZ headline you know Kobe Bryant has been killed in a helicopter crash and I'm just instantly like get the f out of here like not a chance like this is fake like why are you sending me this fake news I was mad so what do I do of course I go to Twitter if this happened Twitter is obviously going crazy over it all of a sudden I see all these people saying R.I.P. Kobe R.I.P. And I'm just, I'm getting mad. I'm like, why are you guys, like, doing this? Like, this is not confirmed. This didn't really happen. This is fake. Stop believing this fake news. That's, you know, just what I thought. And, you know, it finally settled in that, nah, you know, Kobe Bryant died. And, you know, I just, you know, I lost it. You know, this podcast is going to be a celebration of Kobe Bryant. And it's also going to be kind of a telling from my perspective of how important Kobe Bryant was in my life personally you know many people who know me know that Kobe Bryant is by far my favorite athlete of all time Um, I've been devastated this week this week has been really rough you know I, I didn't even meet the guy it's crazy it's crazy how you can be so affected by something you know somebody passing who you never even met and I know a lot of people have had similar reactions and and i know there are many kobe fans who are maybe even as big of a fan as as i was i would like to consider myself one of kobe's biggest fans if not his biggest fan and you know it was just it was just a really depressing day for me personally i mean i really looked up to this guy like a father figure you know my dad died in 2006 when i was 10 years old so Ever since then, I've just looked up to Kobe as my father figure, per se, and he's helped me get through a lot. He helped me get through life, you know, looking through it with such a positive lens of, you lost your dad so young, why weren't you depressed? I mean, Kobe Bryant was definitely a factor in that, being able to watch him. You know, I watched every Lakers game from, like, 2007 through the end of his career, I pretty much watched every game, tried to find him online if I had to. We had NBA TV for a while, so I could watch games on there too. Obviously, ESPN, ABC, and TNT showing games as well. And it's just like, it still doesn't register fully that, you know, he's dead. You know, it's 
It's like even saying that is hard. Even saying the words Kobe Bryant is dead. That's hard to do for me. I still haven't made actual posts on social media. And I will be making all my posts on social media with the release of this podcast, which is going to be dropping at 824 a.m. As you're listening to this, it will already have dropped. But it's just like, wow, not only Kobe. And then, of course, ABC goes and misreports that all four of Kobe's daughters were on board. And I, my heart dropped, and I was really hoping that that wasn't true. And then you, you find out the truth that, no, three of them weren't on board, but Gianna, Gigi Bryant, she was on board. And that just that crushed me, too. I mean, I was like, not Gianna, not Gigi, man. I I couldn't believe it. You know, I was I cried on Sunday, cried Monday, Tuesday, teared up a little bit Wednesday, listening to Kyrie's post game interview after his first game back. I teared up when they showed Kobe's little seven month old daughter, Capri. A little teary-eyed when they showed her in the in the tribute on Friday, and it's just and and by the way, what a beautiful tribute the Lakers put on on Friday night in their first game played. Uh, very happy that the NBA postponed the Lakers Clippers game from Tuesday. There was no way those guys should have been forced to to play out there. The Lakers had to put on a massive tribute. They needed time to process it. And put this together and they did a great job and LeBron James gave a great speech. It was a heartfelt speech and it really felt like that moment he became, truly became a Laker. Even though he hasn't won a championship and you know now my opinion of LeBron, my opinion of his fans haven't changed at all. But I will not let my opinion of his fans affect my opinion of LeBron James from here on out. All I want is for LeBron to stay healthy and, you know, be positive. This is a very, very difficult time for everybody on the Lakers. I'm very excited to watch the Lakers the rest of the season, as I always am excited to watch the Lakers, especially a team like this where best record in the West. But I was surprised at how many people were angry that they lost on Friday, Lakers fans on Twitter just going off on the team. It's like, wow, they can't lose one game? Like, that's ridiculous. Like, this was the first time watching a Lakers game that other than when we were tanking, you know, trying to, you know, when it was good for the Lakers to lose, this was the first time I was actually not mad at all about the Lakers losing a game. You know, it was a game that was winnable, yes, but I could break it down from a basketball perspective, but... There's, you can't complain about that. They they fought. They were out there competing. They only lost by eight points. It's not like they got blown out. And Damian Lillard just, he went Kobe on him. You know, Damian Lillard, 48 points. It's 24 times two. And the Blazers beat the Lakers by eight points. You know, that incorporated all three of those numbers. Kobe's two numbers and Gianna's number. So... You know, I'm proud of the Lakers. And then they went out to Sacramento and beat the Kings. Good win. And, boy, it was beautiful hearing the, the Kobe Bryant chants. I mean, it's 
shout out to the the NBA right now. I, I just love seeing how players are coming together. And I think it's brought a lot of people together in sadness. And I think Kyrie had said, and I'm paraphrasing here, but he said the beauty of it is just how everybody's been able to come together under this circumstances. You know, it's horrible circumstances to come together, but everybody can come together to remember Kobe and honor Kobe. And it's it's just great to see all these players. Damian Lillard is playing outstanding basketball. Kyrie dropped 54 on Friday. Chris Middleton had a 51-point game. Buddy Heald, what did he have, like 40-some? And the Kings had come back from a 17-point fourth-quarter deficit. I mean, something's going on in the NBA that we haven't seen, and it's just people are playing out of their minds. Victor Oladipo hits an insanely deep three. And they're all asking him, you know, what's going on? You know, what were you thinking? And everybody's saying, you know, Mamba mentality. That Mamba mentality is living through the players and – you know, I just love seeing that. I love seeing people honor Kobe. I think it's beautiful, and that's what we're hoping to do here at Change the Game is is honor Kobe in the best way possible by just celebrating his legacy both on the court and off the court. You know, Kobe Bryant was just one of those men who was just who was unbelievable. I mean, he has a 20-year basketball career in Los Angeles. One of the greatest players in the history of the NBA. You know, of course, I say the greatest player. I think undoubtedly he's the greatest basketball player ever. And his second act was possibly going to outdo his first act. You know, that's insane. The fact that you could have one career where you may be the best at that career out of anybody anybody who's ever tried this career playing basketball nobody's done it better than you after you retire what do you do because I know a lot of people were worried about Kobe for after he retired I was worried about Kobe I didn't know how he would really accept retirement but he loved it he embraced it he embraced the challenge he won an Oscar he won an Emmy and of course he was a father to four beautiful daughters and that's that's what kills you the most is that the families that were broken all the families involved in in the Bryant family including his wife Vanessa Bryant and his remaining daughters Natalia Bianca and Capri Kobe Bryant and of course that's not all that's affected let's not forget about Joe Jellybean Bryant, his father, Pam Bryant, his mother, Sharia Bryant, and Shia Bryant, his two sisters. They're hurting as well. I've seen people make comments about his parents because of the legal troubles that that they went through in the past. And let me tell you right now, all four of those people are broken right now. They are devastated. It is very, very sad. And I've read that Joe is really broken up because apparently they were very close. Kobe and, and Joe and, and Pam, they were very close to rekindling their relationship. And that really broke my heart reading that because I was always hoping that, you know, Kobe and his father could, you know, get together and kind of mend the fences. Not that they, they don't hate, they never hated each other or anything, of course, but it would have been nice to see them you know, embrace each other publicly. And that, that would have been a great moment for Kobe. I know Kobe wanted that. 
And it's just so, so sad that they never got the chance to do that. They never got the chance to, to let the past go. And, man, you just think of all of the families involved. Like I said, it's just crazy. Crazy how many people could be affected by one tragedy and, you know, nine people died. Nine people died and, you know, poor Kobe, poor Gigi, you know, it's just, uh, I just, sometimes it's hard to find the words to describe how awful this feeling was that I had over this. You know, like I said, this was a father figure to me and, you know, I didn't even meet the guy. Look at all these people who were just broken down emotionally. Jay Williams, Tracy McGrady, man, Jerry West and Shaq. I mean, those two looked like they didn't want to be on on TNT and all the you know the various networks that Jerry West appeared on. But it was beautiful listening to them speak about Kobe. Um, it's been therapeutic in a sense to listen to all these different athletes and people in general just talk about Kobe and the impact he's made. And he just made such a big impact on all of us. And it's I can tell you one thing that I know for a fact that. No person dying that somebody I've never met, a celebrity or athlete per se, nobody dying would have affected me like this. This was the one that, yeah, that was, that. this was hard. But, you know, while I was sad, I, I realized that I need to honor Kobe. I need to attack, you know, the podcast and life in general with, with the Mamba mentality, that's a beautiful thing about the Mamba mentality. It's it's not basketball. It's it's life. It's not even just sports. It's just life. The Mamba mentality is attacking everything with the effort that's basically insanity. You need to attack it with a thousand percent effort. You need to put all the work that you can into your craft, whatever that craft may be. It could be basketball. It could be you know podcasting like me. You know communications, journalism being a doctor if you want to be a doctor you got to attack those those studies with the mama mentality so you, you can become that doctor you can become a dentist a fireman police officer you know if you you're in the army you think those soldiers don't have the mama mentality i mean like it's something that can just be used in any aspect of life that you're in no matter what field you're in what job you're looking for what you're trying to do with life the best way to be successful is to attack whatever your craft is perfect it with the mamba mentality that's what kobe bryant did in the game of basketball and really this podcast is going to be you know i think a lot of people have talked a lot about his off the court stuff lately everything he's done and you know i've gotten into that a little bit but i do really want to get into you know his career and where I was for a lot of this career, it's going to be a fun little march through history in one career of Kobe Bean Bryant. And of course, it all started back in Lower Marion High School. He was just that little cocky 16, 17, then 18 year old kid who declared for the NBA draft, got traded from the Hornets to the Lakers on draft day. You know, Jerry West famously went to one workout, watched about 10 minutes, and said, I've seen enough. And he knew that was the best player in the draft. 
Had him over to great Allen Iverson, who was balling out at Georgetown. He ended up being the number one pick, obviously. And by the way, a very historic 1996 draft class. But Kobe goes 13th, gets traded from the Hornets to the Lakers. And, you know, the start of a historic career begins. And it's, you know, it starts off with a lot of adversity for Kobe. You know, he he didn't get a lot of playing time. And this is something that people never talk about when they bring up the debates about Michael Jordan, LeBron James, and Kobe Bryant. They, they use all of these numbers all the time. But one thing that that makes these numbers a little misleading is the fact that Kobe Bryant got a little screwed at the start of his career, if, if you asked me. Kobe Bryant should have came in the league and should have been a starter. Imagine if they treated Kobe Bryant the way that Michael Jordan was treated when he entered the NBA. Or the way that LeBron James was treated if the year that he entered the NBA. LeBron James doesn't get treated like that, though, if it, if it wasn't for Kobe Bryant. And, and, you know, Tracy McGrady and Kevin Garnett as well. All the high school players that were very successful from that era. But, you know, Kobe had to go through those pains. You know, then you had, of course, you had the Utah, the air balls in that playoff series. Whereas coach basically just threw him out to the wolves and kind of kind of screwed him over again. You know, Kobe had a lot of adversity, and that's where I believe the mama mentality originated from is all the adversity that he faced. Obviously, of course, as well, growing up kind of in isolation, his family moving around a lot, especially in Italy. You know, he learned all these different languages, and that's, you know, the Italy thing, that's something that I also loved about Kobe Bryant. I've always been a big fan of the Italian culture. My dad was too. And I took all through AP Italian in high school. And I just love that Kobe Bryant could speak fluent Italian and speak a bunch of languages. Like what language doesn't Kobe know? They they say he learned French so he could trash talk uh, Tony Parker. He learned Slovenian so he could trash talk Luka Doncic. And he wasn't even a player. Just as a fan on the sidelines, he's over talking trash to Luca in his native language. I mean, this guy, Kobe Bryant, was just such a brilliant, brilliant mind. And that's, you know, we'll get back into the career in a second. But, you know, I just thought about thinking about him growing up in Italy and all that isolation. But everything that prepared Kobe to you fast forward to the man that he was, you know, before he died. And it's just like, wow, he was, he was doing what he loved the most, which was being a girl dad, that, that powerful, uh, Ellie Duncan sports center story. If you haven't seen it, go look it up. Just look up Ellie Duncan, Kobe. It'll probably be the first video that pops up. It's a great story about her one time meeting Kobe Bryant and where the hashtag girl dad came from, of course. But, he was doing the thing that he loved the most when he died, and that was a beautifully sad part about this whole thing is, you know, being a father. That's how Kobe Bryant died, and that was his favorite thing to do. And he was just such a brilliant, brilliant mind, and he had a brilliant mind when he was young too. He shot those air balls, and he bounced back from it. He, you know, he, he learned how to coexist with Shaq. He played facilitator to Shaq. He was able to do that. He was able to put his ego aside and be the main facilitator for that Lakers team. And then you move on to the to the 2000 season, which, of course, was the Lakers' first championship season. And then you see the, the real legend of Kobe Bryant gets, 
it gets cooking here. This is where it gets cooking. You get the first championship season. And this is where the misconception with the Lakers. This is where it started. This year made people think that it was all Shaq. And Kobe was, you know, he was the clear sidekick. And this was the season where Shaquille O'Neal was the best player on the team. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. Shaq was was the best player on the team. He won the league MVP. Probably should have been unanimous. Allen Iverson stole that one vote from him. But no doubt about it, this was the start of the mini dynasty. But this was really the start of the Kobe dynasty. If we're going to call those Lakers teams a dynasty, it's a Kobe dynasty. It's two different dynasties with one player. Basically, when you think about it, three-peat and then back-to-back championships. Almost like he had two dynasties with one team. Pretty insane, but the one thing, the misconception is Shaq didn't carry Kobe the way y'all seem to think that he did. You know, in the first round, you know, in a lot of these Western Conference series, Kobe would actually outplay Shaq. He would really outplay Shaq in some of these series. And, of course, the first one, you'd probably say that Shaq outplayed Kobe in the, the Lakers' 3-2 to series win over the Kings in round one. They went to the semifinals. The Lakers beat Phoenix in five games, four games to one. Kobe hit a big clutch shot in one of those games. Uh, game two, the 97-96 Lakers victory. Kobe Bryant hits that big clutch jumper and you know, again, Kobe just has these big moments, and especially those Western Conference series when we're talking about the Kobe-Shaq years. The biggest series for those teams were the West. Like, the NBA Finals in the year 2000 was the Western Conference Finals. 100%. That was the NBA Finals that year. It was an absolute epic game. It went the distance. Game 7. At the Staples Center, Blazers have a 15-point fourth-quarter lead, and the Lakers, led by Kobe Bryant, Kobe Bryant led this comeback. The Lakers end up getting the win. Now, people are like, well, this is, you know, Shaq gets a lot of the credit for that because the moment of the game is, you know, Bryant to Shaq, and, you know, Shaq's pointing to the crowd, and he's jumping, and the, the whole stadium is bussing, and it's it's a great old time, and, you know, it's, the thing is, Kobe Bryant outplayed Shaquille O'Neal, and it's not just that he outplayed him. Let's let's look at Shaquille O'Neal's career. This game right here was by far the biggest game in the history of Shaquille O'Neal's career. He had no titles up to this point. This was a game seven to get to the finals for the second time in his career. If Shaq loses on a season where m- most people felt he was he should have been the unanimous. MVP. Shaq needed to win this game. Kobe Bryant outplayed him. He flat out outplayed him. He outscored him. He out-rebounded him. More assists and more blocks. Kobe Bryant had 25 points to Shaq's 18. He had 7 assists to Shaq's 5. 11 rebounds to Shaq's 9. And 4 blocks to only 1 from Shaq. Neither of them had a steal. Shaq even had four turnovers. Kobe only had two. And listen, I'm not trying to use this podcast to rip on Shaq. 
Like I said, this is a celebration of Kobe Bryant, and this is to set the record straight on people's bogus opinions about Kobe Bryant, the criticisms that I hear of Kobe. This this podcast is going to debunk a lot of debates that are had. I'm going to give you my personal opinion on a lot of this stuff. Everything that you're hearing is either facts statistically, and then it's mixed in with my personal opinion about how I see basketball and who I think is the best player of all time. This is, you know, this is what we do. Obviously, there are more important things than basketball. I do understand that. I, I totally get that. But listen, I'm a huge basketball fan. This is what made me Kobe Bryant's fan. I feel like the best way to honor him is to really go through his career and just kind of debunk some myths, go through some of the highs, the lows. You know, this is just going to be a fun podcast to me. So with that being said, we move on to the NBA Finals where Shaq was the best player on the Lakers. No doubt about it. Now, this was a current theme for the East where they didn't have the centers to go at Shaq. Yes, in 2001, the Sixers had the Defensive Player of the Year in Dikembe Mutombo. But for one thing, did you really think he deserved that award? I don't know. There probably were better options than Dikembe Mutombo at that point. A very old Dikembe at that. But he wasn't. that guy was not going to be a match for Shaquille O'Neal. Not at his age. Come on now. I mean, Shaq is, like Kobe said before, he, he said he's most dominant player ever. And I agree with that. Shaq was the most dominant player ever. But listen, let's not forget what Kobe Bryant did. In those NBA Finals. Let's not forget. How he saved that series. Much like he helped save game 7. He had missed. Remember he missed most of game 2. And all of game 3 with that sprained ankle. Because Jalen Rose stuck his foot. Under him. In 53 minutes that were played that night. Kobe Bryant had a sprained ankle. And played 47 minutes. He scored 28 points. He took over the game when Shaq fouled out in overtime and got the Lakers the win to put them up 3-1. Pacers would win game five, send the series back to L.A., and then the Lakers would wrap it up in game six at home, the first title. And by this point, I had been watching Kobe. Very little, and I, of course I was young, and the reason I know these games is because I've went back and watched them in my older years, of course. Of course, I don't remember every detail from when I was that old because you know I was you know four years old basically when I started watching Kobe. I, the first game I watched and first game I remember watching Kobe, the first live NBA basketball game I remember watching. Really the first live sports game I can remember watching was the 2000 Western Conference Finals game seven, that faithful game. I remember that. I actually remember my dad being mad that the Lakers won. He hated the Lakers. You know, he, he didn't really like Kobe either. He really didn't like him after uh, 2004 and, you know, the situation that get into in a bit. I will address that later, but we'll get into that when we get to that part of his career. But listen, just a lot of great memories, and it started from that 2000 season, the first championship. You move on to the to the second season. The 2001 team where Kobe just put 
all kinds of scoring performances on. This is where Kobe really was like he was hitting his prime. He was about to hit his prime. He was hitting it. The 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 start of his prime, I will say. Not his peak of his prime, but the start of his prime was 2001. Kobe was an absolute animal. He was a tremendous defender as well as an offensive superstar, but really one of the best defenders in the league. He took the toughest guard assignment, and this was an era full of explosive guards from Stephon Marbury to Steve Francis to Tracy McGrady, Paul Pierce, even, even though he's a forward, he's a guard and forward, um, even to all the way to guys, like I said, Tracy McGrady, you got Allen Iverson, Vince Carter. I mean, there were some great explosive athletic guards, Jason Kidd. I mean, you had so many great guards that Kobe Bryant always took the responsibility of Ding up the best guard on the other team. I always respected that about Kobe Bryant. And you also wonder, what if he had a guy like Scottie Pippen on his team? A, a clear Robin, a clear secondary superstar, whereas... Listen, Kobe and Shaq were both so great. They were two alphas. That's not going to work. It's like Kobe always used to say, what if Michael Jordan and Wilt Chamberlain, what if you put them together? What if you put Michael Jordan as a rookie with Wilt Chamberlain in his prime? I mean, there's going to be a lot of friction. Let's be honest. There's just going to be a lot of friction. And it would be a dominant team. Don't get me wrong. As Those Lakers were dominant. They end up winning the 2001 championship. Not as many memorable series per se the one that to me is memorable is the 01 western conference finals lakers spurs the spurs had been doing a lot of mad talking a lot of mad talking that year you know about how because tim duncan got hurt that's why the lakers were able to win the championship the year before and listen kobe bryant was just an absolute machine not only in this series but really this playoff run in the west playoffs kobe was the best player on the Lakers, barely the best player, but he was the best player. This is a guy who dropped 48 points in the closeout game in the Western Conference semifinals against the Kings, dropping 48. Then in game one against the Spurs in a series where the Spurs were favored, by the way, and they had home court advantage, he drops 45 points and just kind of really just sets the tone of the series the Lakers win the second game in San Antonio, and then they just blast the Spurs the next two at home, and they, they sweep them. They go to the finals, of course, and you have the famous game one, the Allen Iverson step-over game where Allen Iverson stunned the world and got a win against this unbelievable Lakers team. And the Lakers, quote-unquote, sweep the Sixers after that. They get the gentleman's sweep, four straight wins, back-to-back championships, greatest team in NBA history secured that's right I put this team up against any team give me the 0-1 Lakers and not a single team will beat that team in my opinion and of course you move on to 2002 once again Shaq had some injury problems the Kobe and Shaq little rift per se or whatever they want to call it it was there It, it was most definitely there but they were able to fight through it you know, they got to the playoffs. Of course, they didn't have as good of a seed as usual. They were the three seed this year. And so they go through the playoffs. The first round, they play Portland. They sweep them. They go to the semifinals. They only lose one game to the Spurs. They get them 4-1, going undefeated in San Antonio in this series. 
So then you move on to the Western Conference Finals, which, once again, the NBA Finals was the Western Conference Finals in 2002 with the Lakers and the Kings. And this is one of the all-time great playoff series. Kings fans say that the Kings got screwed. I would say, listen, there was fishy calls going on all around. I know that the refs had some bogus calls in game six. Don't get me wrong. I know that that happened. But what about the no foul call in game five? There were no foul calls there that set up Mike Bibby's game winner that sent the game, uh, sent the Kings back to LA up three games to two in that series. And then, you know what? The Kings had a game seven at home. Regardless, there was no cheating going on in that game. You had home court advantage. Shaq and Kobe came there and shut that stadium down. They shut it down. They shut down the Kings. They went to the finals. They swept the Nets. Three-peat. And, you know, I'm just a kid. I'm, you know, I'm all I'm such a huge Kobe fan at this point. I remember even from first watching that first game, the game seven of that conference finals, I remember just watching this kid, number eight, had an afro. You know, I know this big dude, number 34, He's he seems like everybody likes him, but my guy is the guy with the afro, number eight. That's the guy I'm watching. And, you know, just watching him so far is unbelievable how great he is and I'm just a huge fan. He's already my favorite basketball player, favorite athlete, really. So then you move on to 2003, a little bit of a struggle. Kobe, though, Kobe was unbelievable in this season. This would be the first season that Kobe, you could argue, was robbed of an MVP. He definitely should have been in consideration for the 2003 MVP if we're just looking off stats alone Duncan had 23 points 12 boards 3 assists pretty pretty awesome stats Kobe Bryant with 30 points 7 rebounds 6 assists I'm taking the Kobe line and the fact that Shaq was hurt for a lot of that year I believe that Kobe Deserved the MVP for honestly how good the Lakers were despite the injury to Shaquille O'Neal. They still they still won 50 games. I mean that's pretty impressive. They were the, they were the five seed. Yes, hey they're in the playoffs. They go through the Timberwolves in round one, and then they lose to the eventual champion San Antonio Spurs in a pretty good six game series. That's it for that season. The following year is where things really get interesting. The Lakers go all out. They get Gary Payton and Carl Malone. And I clearly, this is the first full NBA season I can really remember. I can remember so much about this season. You know, just just the way that the media had built up this team and how they struggled early and how the, the sky was falling and everything was wrong. And I remember always believing the Lakers were going to win the championship. You get to the playoffs. The Lakers enter. They get the two seed. They won 56 games. They won 56 games. And so they match up with Houston in the first round. They take them out in five games. The Yao Ming, Steve Francis led Rockets. This was the year before 
Tracy McGrady would be acquired by the Rockets. So unfortunately, we never got a Kobe McGrady playoff series. That would have been all kinds of epic. Move on to the semifinals. The Spurs go up two games to zero. And after that, I remember making a bet with my uncle. Bet a Pepsi on it. (laughs) That was actually my first bet that I made. (laughs) And I bet that the Lakers were going to win that series. And I told him the Lakers are going to win four straight. They're going to win the two in L.A. They're going to win in San Antonio. And then they're going to go and wrap it up in L.A. And that's exactly what happened. They win the two games in L.A. They go back to San Antonio. And the final 13 seconds is some of the best final 13 seconds you'll ever see in an NBA game. I would argue it's the best final 13 seconds of an NBA game. It starts off with Kobe. Typical Kobe move. Hits a little crossover. Jump shot. Puts it in. And it's a it's a one-point game. Lakers have the lead. What happens then? Tim Duncan catches the ball top of the key. Shaq is absolutely all over him no room Duncan just gets away this ridiculous fadeaway and it goes in with four tenths of a second left my heart dropped I was like oh my goodness how are the Lakers going to win this series now they gotta go to San Antonio for a game seven and then my man Derek Fisher hits the shot heard round the world the 0.4 second shot He knocks it down, and the Lakers go back to Los Angeles up three games to two with the 74-73 win. And by the way, I love going back and watching this game specifically. I love these low-scoring NBA games from that era. To me, the best era of basketball is the mid-2000s, really the 2000s. It ended on Game 7 of the 2010 Finals. You know, from 2000 to 2010, I think it's the best era of basketball. I think you you combine the the innovations of offense with still people playing very hard on defense and great defensive efforts being rewarded in this league. You know, not like today where it's a lot of three-pointers and the game is a lot softer. Not that I don't love the NBA. It's just I don't love it the way I loved it as a kid and, and during the best era of basketball. Nevertheless, the NBA obviously still the best sport. But so the Lakers move on to the Western Conference Finals where they take on Minnesota. Kevin Garnett, second year in a row that they play in the playoffs. It was a first-round match at the year before. And like the year before, the Lakers win this series in six games. And they move on to the finals where they're prohibited favorites. I thought it was a guarantee. Kobe was getting that fourth ring. And, of course, the Detroit Pistons win four games to one. I remember being so upset about that. I was I was so sad. I remember going, I think I had like swim class or something. I remember one day going there and just being so sad because the series had ended. It was game five. The Lakers lost 87 to 100. Pistons are the world champions. And oh, I just remember being crushed about it. And then, of course, that's the offseason where the Lakers had to pick between Kobe and Shaq. And I, hey. I remember a lot of people saying the Lakers should have went with Shaq. Trust me, there were many people who said they should have went with Shaq. But obviously you go with Kobe. And, you know, this is the last I'll touch on the Shaq-Kobe debate. But this is why the Shaq-Kobe debate is honestly pointless. Because when you look at when they were teammates, Kobe was arguably better than Shaq. But even if you say that Shaq was better than Kobe, you can't say it was by that much. Now, here's the thing. 
Shaquille O'Neal was in the absolute prime of his career. So Kobe was not in the absolute prime. He was hitting the start of his prime. It's very clear to me that Kobe was better than Shaquille O'Neal. Just off that alone, when you really think about it, the fact that Kobe Bryant was basically better than Shaq, or if not equal, if not slightly worse than Shaq, when Shaq was at the absolute prime of his career and Kobe was really just starting to hit his prime, if that. So the Lakers, of course, made the right decision. They go with Kobe. They trade Shaq. They get Karan Butler. They get Lamar Odom. They get Brian Grant. And, of course, you're not going to get value. Shaq goes on to win the championship in 2006 uh, after in his second year with the Heat. But, you know, the Lakers struggle. First season, Kobe dealt with injuries, and that's why they missed the playoffs. If Kobe was healthy for 82 games, he would have got that lousy Lakers team into the playoffs. Because what happened the next year is Kobe had arguably the best season of his career. You know, Kobe Bryant was absolutely insane in the 2005-2006 season. That was one of those seasons where you just were like, oh my God, how is this kid this good? How is he this good? In this season... He averaged 35 points, 6 rebounds, 5 assists. This was the season where he scored 81 points in a game. I mean, I remember a I remember the 81 point game. Listen. I guess today is the Super Bowl, right? Super Bowl, the whole Super Bowl week for me was just completely overshadowed by what happened with Kobe Bryant. There's no question that I just I'm going to watch Super Bowl tonight, though. I I am, and I'm looking forward to watching the game, but it's not the same. It just doesn't feel the same. I don't feel like watching a lot of football stuff. Usually around this time, I'm watching a bunch of different football stuff, you know, like especially like old Super Bowl highlight videos. You know, I used to love watching that around the Super Bowl, but not this year. This has been all about watching Kobe and reflecting on his career and everything about that, so... You know, it's just ironic that in 2006, Kobe Bryant outshadowed the NFL as well. He outshadowed them in the course of his 81-point game was the same night as the NFC and AFC championship games. I remember it clear as day. We had NBA TV. I remember watching that game instead of watching the football games. I was the only one watching it. Dad was watching football games, of course. I was watching Kobe. Kobe dropped 81. I'd like to think that I made the right decision that night. And, you know, it's just like that season meant a lot to me because that, you know, of course, that was the year, you know, my dad had died in in February, you know, literally like very quickly after that Super Bowl, that season, he that year, you know, he passed away and You know, that's pretty much when Kobe Bryant became my father figure. And when he ripped off that season that he had, which was absolutely insane. And he had had other seasons like that. I mean, let's, you know, 2003, nine straight 40-point games. He goes 46, 42, 51, 44, 40, 52, 40, 40, and 41. That was that streak he had back in 2003. But, 
I mean, he was just on another level in 2006. Some of the some of the things that Kobe Bryant did in 2006 were absolutely ridiculous. They really had no point of being as good as they were. I mean, let's be honest. They were a seven seed that season, right? They were a seven seed in the Western Conference, 45 wins. The starting lineup, other than Lamar Odom, you know who he had as a starting point guard? He had Smush Parker as a starting point guard. How about his starting center, Kwame Brown? And then you had a bunch of really just, it was really filler players, random, you know, Devin George, Chris Mim, Luke Walton, Brian Cook, you know, a, a mixture of those guys were the other starters with Kobe Bryant. And, of course, Kobe Bryant was by far the best player on that team. No doubt about it. Once again, Kobe Bryant absolutely robbed of the MVP. I called Steve Nash Steve Trash for years because he stole Kobe's MVP. Really, you could argue Kobe could have won it in 2005 as well. It's just the Lakers missed the playoffs and he was hurt too much. But 06, man, that was Kobe's MVP. Even Bill Simmons wrote an article at the time that said Kobe was the clear MVP. It was before the voting went off. And I remember I read it a couple years ago, and he was like, I'd be shocked if they gave it to Nash again. And, of course, they gave it to Nash. You know, not that Nash didn't do a good job. 18-4-10 and 10 is nothing to sneeze at, but, no. Nash really stole an MVP from Shaq the year before. Shaq probably should have won the MVP with the Miami Heat in 05. So, you know, just absolutely a disgrace that Kobe didn't get the MVP that year. But, you know, they play in the first round of the playoffs. One of my favorite moments of watching basketball happens. It's it's game four. The Lakers look like the series is over. You know, and then all of a sudden a steal. Kobe Bryant makes this insane layup under the basket to tie the game and send it to overtime. And then, of course, Kobe Bryant hits one of the Great buzzer beaters in NBA history. Uh, One of my personal favorite broadcast calls in the history of sports. It's just, it's an unbelievable call. Mike Green, the absolute legend. You know, it really, it really touched me how sad he was. You know, even he said, you know, I don't really want to be here today. Um, Nobody really wanted to be at an NBA game. And nobody should have had to go to an NBA game that day. I don't think it was right that the NBA made those players play. I I think they should have canceled the games, if you asked me. But, again, that's just me. But, like I said, Mike Breen giving me my favorite NBA broadcasting call. I'm going to play it real quick, you know, just so you can hear it real quick. It's Again, this is one of my favorite moments in the history of the NBA you know, Kobe hits the shot to put the Lakers up three games to one in the first round. Just such a, a great, great moment in my life. I remember running around the house just screaming, just flexing. I was screaming with Kobe, pulled the jersey to the side. I was doing it too. I was amped up on energy. That's one of the happiest moments of my life. I thought, yeah, the Lakers 
We're going to the finals. Kobe's going to win a championship on his own. Even if Steve Nash takes his MVP away from him, he's winning the playoff series. And that's all that matters. And, of course, unfortunately, the series didn't turn out the way we as Lakers and or Kobe fans wanted. The Suns end up coming back and winning the series. And as well known for Kobe Bryant refusing to shoot the ball in the second half of Game 7. But like I said, his team was terrible. I can't even blame him for that. His team let him down. I mean, let's not forget what happened in that Game 6. Kobe Bryant had one of those all-time great performances in Game 6 against the Suns. I mean, that was one of those games where you're just like, how is Kobe doing this? How do they not win in that game? Oh, Tim Thomas. He had 50 points. He was 57% from the field, 62% of his three-pointers. It went to overtime. It was one of those epic games. And, of course, you know, they lost at Staples, and the Suns go on to the second round, and, you know, the, the rest is history, as they say, and... So the next year, the the trade rumors really start. And, of course, the Lakers make the playoffs again as a seven seed. And once again, they lose to the Phoenix Suns, this time in five games. Um, But, you know, again, just, just thinking back about that game. I mean, he also had three steals. And he had eight rebounds, five assists. He was unbelievable. You know, Lamar Odom, I don't want to stress this enough. Lamar Odom was a great teammate for Kobe Bryant, but the best Lamar Odom was was a sixth man. You don't want Lamar Odom as the second best player on your team. So, of course, Kobe is trying to get traded, and that offseason, I thought, you know, I really thought Kobe was about to be a bull. I thought it was going to happen. It didn't because the Bulls refused to trade Luol Deng. Kobe stays. They start off really well. Then the Lakers pull off the heist for Pau Gasol, which, Granted, it doesn't seem like a heist when you realize that the Grizzlies did get Marc Gasol in exchange, but at the time, it looked like, oh my God, did the Grizzlies just trade Kwame Brown for, or Pau Gasol for Kwame Brown? It looks like they did, and that was just unbelievable at the time. It was a great day to be a Lakers fan the day that we got Pau Gasol and changed the course of the team, and the Lakers end up, they get the one seed. Kobe Bryant finally gets his first MVP, I was so happy that he won this. It should have been his third or fourth by that time. But nevertheless, he won it. And what a great season this was. It ended, obviously, not the way you wanted to. But let's talk about the rest of the playoffs. Kobe swept Allen Iverson and Carmelo Anthony. That Nuggets team swept them in the first round. They went to the Jazz and 4-2 series win over Utah, winning game six in Utah. Then they play the defending champion San Antonio Spurs. Lakers win that series in five games. They were down by 17 in the first quarter of that game five. They're up 3-1. They cut the lead to six by half. And In the fourth quarter, Kobe scores 17 points. He had 39 in the game, and the Lakers win 192. They go to the NBA Finals to play the Boston Celtics. 
This is my first experience of watching the Lakers and the Celtics in the finals live. Obviously, I wasn't alive in the 80s. But I grew up I grew up watching those these NBA VHS tapes. There were three of them. This is how I became a Lakers fan. Actually, I was a fan before I started watching live. I was a fan of Wilt Chamberlain and Magic Johnson and those videos and watching the Magic Bird rivalry and the Wilt Bill Russell. I was always mad every time the, they would show the Celtics always won in the 60s, and it always made me mad. I was a Lakers fan from then on. I always hated that the Celtics won all those championships. Never got as mad that Boston won the one with Larry Bird just because they only won one, and I always have a lot of respect for Larry Legend. But, you know, I was already a fan, and then, you know, of course, I really became a fan watching Kobe. And, you know, eventually Kobe became my guy to a point where I would have been a Lakers fan if they had traded Kobe. I still would have been a Lakers fan, but I wouldn't cheer for anybody over Kobe. Kobe got traded. That's the team I want to win the championship. All I cared about in the NBA for the longest time was beginning of the season. What, what do I want to see in the NBA? I want to see Kobe Bryant win the championship. I want to see Kobe Bryant win another one. Then the next year, I want to see Kobe Bryant win again. I want him to win seven championships. I want him to pass Michael Jordan in rings because I think he's better than Michael Jordan. He's going to prove it. You know, he didn't pass him in rings, but he came close. He got five. Now, how did he get to five? We still got two more championships that he hasn't won yet. So the Redeem team, and when I say Redeem team, I mean the the quote-unquote dream team part two, but the Redeem team of USA basketball, Kobe Bryant in the gold medal game against Spain. Remember, that game was in the balance, and Kobe Bryant took that game over. He got Team USA the gold medal. Kobe was the best player on that team and a team that had Dwayne Wade and LeBron James in their prime. Carmelo Anthony was on that team too. There was a lot of great, great NBA legends on there, and Kobe was clearly the best. He was the closer. He shut the door down. Even in 2012 when you could say LeBron might have been a better overall player, Kobe was still the closer. He was still the leader of the team, the main leader. LeBron was also a leader, of course. And so they get the gold medal, and then... What do the Lakers do in 2009? Well, they get to the NBA playoffs. They go ahead and they play. They played in the first round. They played the Houston Rock. No, they played the Utah Jazz in the first round of 2009. Right, because then they won that series in five games. Then they played Houston, and this is the series that I remember because I remember Houston really testing the Lakers. They blew them out in that game six, set up a game seven, and the Lakers routed the Rockets. They they won, and a lot of people were like, I remember people jumped out the Lakers. Mark Jackson said, I'm picking the Nuggets. You know, the, he was tired of the Lakers and how they were underachieving, and, and they were. They, they looked like they were underachieving, but I always knew that the Lakers were going to win. By the way, this season was the first and only time I got to watch Kobe Bryant play live in person. I went to two Laker games when Kobe was on the roster. I want Christmas Day 2015, or year was, yeah, 2014, sorry. Yeah, Christmas Day of 2014, and he was supposed to play, and it was right before the game they announced he didn't play. He had a sweet burgundy suit on that day, though. That was pretty raw, I got to admit. Kobe's suit, he was styling, man. Even when Kobe didn't play, he knew how to style it up, and that suit was, that suit was most definitely raw, but... 
Um, yeah, this is the only time I got to see Kobe play. It was at the United Center against the Bulls. The Bulls are winning by double digits. Of course, Kobe led a great rally in the third and fourth quarter and got the win. I think he had about 28 points in that one. It was just unbelievable to watch him play live, the greatest player of all time. Watching him play on the on the court of the guy who they say is the greatest in Michael Jordan. Kobe, of course, is the GOAT, though. And then, you know, but back to the playoffs in 09, you go on to the Western Conference Finals. They play the Denver Nuggets and Carmelo Anthony, and this was Melo's best team, and this was a great Nuggets team, which Kobe is able to take out in, in six games. This was such a back-and-forth game. Remember, game one, the score went back and forth, and the, the Lakers won the game 105-103. But then the Nuggets get the second game. Melo steals it, but then the Lakers steal game three. They get it back. Kobe Bryant has 41 points. The Nuggets then tie the series. The Lakers go up 3-2, and then Kobe hits some big clutch shots. Them clutch shots in that game three, I mean, oh. Man, he had 41, by the way. I think I already said it, but again, 41 in that game three, and the Lakers end up winning the series in six games. They blow them out in game six in Denver, and Lakers go to their 30th NBA Finals. They play the Orlando Magic. LeBron James couldn't get it done, couldn't get to the NBA Finals, so we don't get Kobe and LeBron. Kobe doesn't get to whoop LeBron in the finals. Instead, he whoops the Magic in five games. I say whoop, and it really wasn't a whooping. There was two blowouts and three really close games. Lakers won two of the three close games. It was a better series than a five-game series may indicate, but again, it was a five-game series. Kobe Bryant wins the championship. Again, I remember jumping up and down with Kobe. You know, that, that that shot of Kobe jumping up and down in Orlando as they clinched the, his fourth championship, his first without Shaq. I was jumping up and down with him, so happy. And, you know, then you move on to 2010. The goal was to go back-to-back. And the end game was hopefully to see Boston in the finals. Needed revenge from 2008. Which, by the way, the 2008 finals, which I didn't even really talk about but I figured I figured that we could just get into 2008 and 2010 together. That I, I got a lot to say about the 2008 finals. But, you know, it starts off. They play Oklahoma City in round one. The young Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook. And it was a tough series. Gasol gets the winning bucket off an offensive rebound with .5 seconds left to win the game and the series in six. They play Utah in the next round, and again, Bryant destroys Utah, really, and they control all four games. He scored at least 30 in every game, and the Lakers sweep the Jazz. They move on to play Phoenix. Revenge part one. It was a little revenge tour, and Phoenix was the first stop. Obviously, Utah, of course, Kobe, that's revenge for him because... You know, the, the air balls against Utah. And that, that revenge would come full circle in the final game of his career as well. But we'll get into that in a little bit. But obviously a great, great series highlighted by Ron Artest game winner in, in game five. A, a, a putback, of course, of another Kobe miss. And Ron Artest comes in and it gets the putback to win the game for the Lakers in game five. 
Kobe has 37 points, including nine points in the final two minutes to win game six, 111 to 103, and seal up a six-game series victory. Lakers go to the finals for the third straight year, and for the second time in three years, they're meeting the Boston Celtics. Now, I said I wanted to talk about 2008, and here it is. Call me conspiracy theorist or whatever. The NBA got caught trying to cheat, so they tried to back up out of it, and it was too little too late. When you look at game two of that series, the Celtics had so many more free throws than the Lakers. I mean, it was just ridiculous, the disparity in free throws and fouls, and you could just tell something fishy was going on. And I remember reading about this, you know, where people were talking about, you know, what is going on in the NBA? Why are these refs calling all of these fouls on the Lakers? And, you know, the theory is, and I agree with this theory, is that the NBA wanted a seven-game series. They want a guaranteed seven-game series. So what the refs were going to do is they were going to make sure that every home team just won every game and we could get a game seven. It's not a terrible it's not a terrible idea per se. I mean it's really not, but I mean they got caught and so they stopped cheating. Lakers are screwed. They're already down 2-0 in the series now. And of course, of course you have the fake Willis Reed as Charles Barkley says with Paul Pierce which he's going off on a wheelchair and whatever happened to him, whether he had to do a number two or whatever, whatever Paul Pierce reason had for the wheelchair, it was bogus. He ran out like two minutes later in real time, not even game time. He's running out on the court. And I just remember being so mad at that moment because I knew I was like, oh, here we go. Here comes the shit. And he comes in and hits a big three and, Oh, you know, Paul Pierce gets the finals MVP, even though it should have been Kevin Garnett because he babied Pau Gasol. I mean, listen, I love Pau Gasol, but that that was the series where I was like, man, Pau Gasol needs to get in the gym. He needs to get tough because he just got exposed. And Pau Gasol definitely did get exposed in that series against the Celtics, but it comes full circle because in 2010, Pau Gasol was a monster. He stepped up against Kevin Garnett. He stepped up to the challenge of facing one of those all-time great players, and and Pau really took care of business. This was an absolutely fantastic series. It was back and forth. The Lakers took game one. The Celtics responded. Ray Allen set the finals record for threes in a game. Celtics take game two. Game three, the Lakers go right into Boston and take home court back. The Celtics take game four, and then they take game five in a blowout. That's highlighted by the Nate Robinson, Glenn Davis, little buckets that they had, and Nate Robinson jumps into uh, on top of Glenn Davis. That's a an image I remember just steaming mad about watching that. But remember, it just, you know, just thinking back on that, that Lakers Celtics, the the 2008 finals, game two. Let me just say this and let this sink in. The Lakers shot 10 free throws in game two. The Celtics shot 38. That that should tell you all you need to know about that series, in all honesty. But again, you know, we're talking about 2010. 
the great series that was 2010. And again, they went back to LA. It was three to two. The Lakers dominated Boston in game six. And Kobe Bryant, as he did every game in this series, other than game two, led the team in scoring, had 26 points. It was an easy win. Of course, Kendrick Perkins did get hurt in that game. But again, that excuse for the Celtics is mute to me because Andrew Bynum was hurt in the 2008 finals, the whole series. So that's mute to me. And you got help from the refs in game two. And, you know, really in general, it's just come on now. You know, you got your ring, Boston. You're lucky you got that because you shouldn't have got that one either. It was supposed to be 2-0 Lakers. And if, but if you, if Kevin Garnett hadn't got healthy, hadn't got hurt, excuse me, in 2009, Lakers would have beat the Celtics twice in a row. It would have got revenge times two. But that's not how it worked. Goes to a game seven. In my personal opinion, my favorite game in the history of the NBA. Listen, Kobe Bryant, I mean, he did struggle in this game. No doubt about it Did Kobe Bryant struggle in this game. Did, did Kobe Bryant struggle in the 2010 NBA Finals Game 7? Yeah, he did. Shooting-wise, he did. He did struggle. He had a bad shooting game. You know? But does that mean that he had a horrible game? Absolutely not. People always say, oh, well, in the biggest game, Kobe shrunk. He didn't play good in Game 7. And I think the like the biggest attribute of the Mamba mentality, the biggest evidence of Mamba mentality is what do you do when what you normally do isn't working? What you rely on isn't working. The shot for Kobe. You know, he's 6 of 24 from the field. He finishes with 23 points. So what do you do? You got to focus on something else. Kobe decides to get his butt down to the paint and get rebounds. He finishes with 15 rebounds. 15 rebounds for a guard. And everybody who says, oh, Pau Gasol should be the MVP. Really? Really? So Pau Gasol should be the MVP. He had 19 points, 18 rebounds, a couple blocks. That's very good. Kobe had a steal. You know? Kobe had 23. He shot worse. True. 25%. Gasol was only 37.5%. So it's not like he was that much better than Kobe. Not like he was that much better in Game 7. And Kobe outplayed everybody by pretty much a good amount in the other games. And nobody nobody in that team would ever tell you for a second that Pau Gasol should be the Finals MVP. Nobody. I'm telling you, nobody will tell you that. Everybody will be like, are you kidding me? Kobe Bryant was the MVP. Pau Gasol will tell you that. Kobe deserved that MVP, and I'm not trying to hear it. I'm... I'm tired of hearing, oh, Chris Paul should have won his MVP and Pau Gasol should have won his second finals MVP. And oh, da, 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 da. That's, that's all I heard for so long. All this negativity towards Kobe, it was very annoying. So, I mean, that's the one, you know, like I said, like Kyrie said, the one beautiful thing about this is people are giving Kobe his just now, his due just. They're finally talking about him as they should where he belongs in basketball, even if you don't think he's the greatest player of all time. He's undoubtedly a top 10, really an undoubtedly top five player. He's really undoubtedly top two. If you say Michael Jordan is the GOAT, you shouldn't say anybody else is better than Kobe other than Jordan or maybe Kareem. Other than that, I can't really say that any of those other guys are better than Kobe Bryant. Yeah, LeBron James is the one that's always thrown out there, but listen, LeBron does not have that kill gene that Kobe had. LeBron 
The problem with LeBron is that LeBron, is his free throws. That's LeBron's really his biggest problem in trying to pass Kobe, in my opinion, is that free throws. And the free throws affects his late game decisions where he doesn't want to drive to the hole and go to that free throw line. He just doesn't really want to do that late in the game very much. But listen, this team that Kobe Bryant was able to knock off in the Boston Celtics, this was nothing short of a legendary squad. You know, Kendrick Perkins did get hurt, but you know who replaced him in Game 7? Rashid Wallace. The starting lineup was Rajon Rondo, Ray Allen, Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett, and Rashid Wallace. That is an unbelievable starting lineup. All those guys have made all-star teams in their career. Many of those guys will be, three of those guys are 100% for sure first ballot Hall of Famers in the big three, Garnett, Allen, and Pierce. Rondo is a borderline Hall of Famer. He may get in. I love Rajon Rondo's game. He was great. And by the way, Rondo was the best player on that Celtics team. He led that Celtics team to the finals. He, he did. He was great. He almost averaged a triple-double. And Rasheed Wallace provided a lot of spark for them. But again, the Lakers do win the championship. One of the happiest moments of my life, witnessing the Lakers winning that championship. I mean, just again, Mike, the great Mike Breen, Again, he's called many great moments in Kobe's career, no doubt about it. But this was one of those moments, again, that it, it definitely does stand out for me as being an all-time favorite uh, moment in NBA history. One of my all-time favorite Mike Breen calls, no doubt about it. Just, just a great, great, great moment in NBA history. You know, like the game itself was awesome. The game itself was a defensive battle. I felt like the NBA died that day in terms of that era of physicality, you know, and just sheer determination and will. It was just, it was a different time in the NBA, of course. And it was, it was the end of an era. It was the absolute end of an era. Lakers 83, Boston 79. I mean, just one of those epic, epic games. I mean, the score itself, that's a defensive battle. I absolutely love it. I mean, it's just, man, it's crazy to think about how many great moments there really were in Kobe Bryant's epic, epic career. But this was the pinnacle of it, I would say. You know, and again... One of my favorite Mike Green calls right here. Yeah, and I, I remember just just watching this game and my uncle is a huge Boston Celtics fan, and so I just remember I used to just play that clip over and over just to nag him about it because I bought the game, the full game on iTunes right away. It's still on an iTunes account to this day, and I just remember annoying him with that, you know, just, ha-ha, the Lakers beat the Celtics this time. I was so happy that the Lakers did that. It was, it was awesome. It, it really was an awesome season, an awesome series. Kobe Bryant, again, he was fantastic. He most deservingly won the NBA Finals 
most valuable player for the second time in his career. His fifth and final ring, of course. Then, of course, you move on to, to 2011. And, you know, of course, this brings me to something I never even talked about, which was Kobe Bryant's four All-Star Game MVPs. He had the 2002 All-Star Game MVP, which he won in Philadelphia, and they booed him, which was despicable. I felt so bad for him that they booed him, but it was great to see when he retired. You know, Kobe got that love from Philadelphia, and you knew that meant the world to him. He always wanted that love from Philly. So, you know, obviously you had that. And then, of course, you have the great Phil Jackson coaching in his final season of his career. Lamar Odom wins the sixth man of the year this year. And, you know, the Lakers, they beat the Hornets in the first round in six games. And Kobe has that insane dunk in that series. And then they get swept by the eventual champion Mavs. And that was a, you know, that was a, that was a sweep where the Lakers should have won game one. They should have won game two and they should have won game three. There was three games that were winnable. And then they got the doors burst off in game four, blown out season over. Move on to the next one. Phil Jackson retires. Mike Brown is hired instead of Brian Shaw, which was a mistake in my opinion. So the Lakers again lose in the second round this year. They lose to the Oklahoma City Thunder. This was the season, of course, where the Lakers were supposed to get Chris Paul. And I, again, I say to this day, the reason that the NBA vetoed that Chris Paul trade is so Kobe couldn't get his seventh ring. That's what I think. Not just his sixth ring. He was going to get six and seven for sure. Him and Chris Paul are going to win championships together. And they would have got Dwight Howard too because they had all the pieces that they made for that trade for Dwight. It would have happened. They would have got Dwight Howard, and they would have won at least two championships. They would have went back-to-back. Then Kobe would be considered the GOAT. He'd be considered a GOAT by now if, if that had happened, but it's all good. He's still the GOAT. It's, you know, it's, it's whatever, but, you know, but anyway, that season is where Dwayne Wade broke Kobe Bryant's nose in the All-Star game, too, and then Kobe came out with the mask and just balled out, beat LeBron, Wade, Bosh in the Heat, beat the Celtics, back-to-back, uh, Sunday showcase games, I remember that. Uh, that season, I also remember the game against Oklahoma City when Ron Artest, or Metal World Peace, I guess he was called at the time now. He changed his name by then. Elbows James Harden in the head, knocks him out. Lakers are getting killed, and Kobe just leads that great comeback, hits some big-time clutch shots. Again, Mike Green giving me some more great calls. You know, He's my favorite Maybe my favorite broadcaster in all of sports, to be honest. I just love the bang. You know, just just great, great stuff. And, you know, then the Lakers played the Thunder. They lost the series in five games. Again, winnable games that they lost. Game two, game four, they really blew. And then game five, they should have won too. So, again, these series, back-to-back series, common theme. Kobe's last two playoff series losses. Common theme where... Those games were winnable, and you can't really blame Kobe for the losses that he picked up this time because Kobe played as about as good as he could play. You know, he probably could have played a little bit better, but Pau Gasol didn't step up, Artest didn't step up, Bynum didn't step up. Like they had a lot of players who just 
you know, the Lakers just didn't have people who stepped up to help Kobe, and Kobe had a lot of injuries. Let's not act like Kobe Bryant isn't like the ultimate Iron Man warrior, what, in the 2010 finals. How many different injuries did he have? He had a broken index finger. He had, I mean, he had just a plethora of injuries, and that that is something that I always take away from Kobe Bryant's career is that really his greatest achievement, which again was that 2010 finals championship. I mean, during this run, he had his knee drained several times. I mean, there was he, there were times where he said he didn't practice because there was so little cartilage under that ailing knee. And then of course he had broken index finger. He had, I mean, just so many injuries that, you know, a broken index finger on his shooting hand and you wonder why he went six of 24 from the field he was completely gassed and hurt and the fact that he's able to grab 15 rebounds with those injuries and score the way that he did I mean come on he still was able to get 23 points you can't sneeze at that like that's trash Metal world peace and Paul Gasol saved him oh yeah I wouldn't agree with that but okay that's all right but again you know like I said 2011 Thinking about that season reminded me of the Kobe Bryant All-Star Games. Like I I said, the 2002 Finals, of course, where he was booed in Philadelphia. And then you had 2007 in beautiful Las Vegas. Viva Las Vegas. I am going there this month, by the way. And really, it's great that I'm going there because I need this vacation uh, for the great Deontay Wilder, Tyson Fury fight. But the NBA All-Star Game was in Las Vegas in 2007. Kobe Bryant was absolutely tremendous in that game as well. He wins All-Star Game MVP. His next MVP came with Shaq in 2009 where they put aside the beef, finally. And that's when I stopped hating Shaquille O'Neal. I hated Shaq for so long after they traded him. I was on Kobe's side. And then, of course, his final MVP was in 2011 at the Staples Center. He won his fourth and final All-Star Game most valuable player he scored with 37 points he was tremendous in that game just dominant in an era where it looked like you know the the Derrick Roses the LeBron James all these different players they're taking Kevin Durant they're taking over the league but Kobe said no this is still my league I'm the two-time defending champion I got this won the all-star MVP and then so after the 2012 season of course you have the second olympic run where kobe again the leader of the team the fourth quarter man still clutch baskets left and right and the usa wins another gold medal kobe gets his second gold medal and then you move on to the 2013 season this is where the lakers trade for steve nash and dwight howard and of course instead of hiring phil jackson after firing mike brown they go ahead and hire mike d'antoni for god knows why with that team they went with d'antoni over phil jackson but that's what they did. Really, is Jim Buss not wanting to hire Jeannie Buss's fiance at the time. But that being said, unfortunately, the Lakers did not achieve what I thought they were going to do, which was win the championship and beat the Miami Heat in the finals. Because of one reason and one reason only. Kobe Bryant got hurt. Don't get me wrong. It started off struggling. They weren't even in the playoffs. And then Kobe Bryant did something unbelievable. He led them on that run in the second half where everybody said, you can check the tapes. 
Check the tapes of what Charles Barkley and them used to say. Oh, the Lakers are done. They ain't making the playoffs. Ain't no playoffs for the Lakers. Kobe led them to the playoffs. He carried them on his own, willed them. And in a game I'll never forget, I was watching it live. Kobe Bryant went down against Golden State. He had big shot after big shot. He was lights out. He goes down. You can tell it's a bad injury. He got hurt a little bit earlier in the game, and then he really went down. And he walks to the free throw line. He hits two free throws and walks off under his own power. Come to find out that he had torn his Achilles heel. Achilles. He walked off the floor, hit two free throws, and walked off. That's the Mamba right there. That is the absolute Mamba. It was a heartbreaking moment for me. Like, I could just tell it was bad the way he was walking off the court. It just was like, oh, man. The announcer said, I think it's the Achilles. I remember that. And Stu, I remember him saying that. And I was just like, oh, no. Not an Achilles. And listen, I tell people this to this day. LeBron James, in maybe the best season of his career, arguably the best season of his career, I don't think he deserved the MVP that year. Some people think he should have been unanimous. I know the numbers and that team was great. But that team, exactly, that team was great. Kobe Bryant was not on a great team. He's on a team. Steve Nash was barely playing, always hurt. Dwight Howard was always hurt. Paul Gasol, they didn't know how to use him because Mike D'Antoni was not the right coach for Paul Gasol. Just basically shunned Paul Gasol, unfortunately. And I always, always regret how the Lakers treated Paul in those closing years. But again... Kobe should have been the MVP that year, too. So that is the third MVP that I've counted he should have won. And you know what? Honestly, he should have won in 2006. You can double that up. He should have won in 2007 as well. He only averaged four less points. Dirk was 24-8-3. The Mavs got bust right out of the first round of the playoffs that year by the, we believe, Golden State Warriors. Kobe should have been the MVP. He had 31 6 and 5 I honestly think he should have won the MVP in 05, 06, and 07. You could argue though, 2003 season. You could argue that one. No doubt about it. And I really would say, honestly, you should have given it to Kobe then too. If you had to ask me who's the MVP, it's Kobe Bryant. Shaq was hurt for a lot of that year, and he, he held them afloat. But... That's five MVPs I've now counted that Kobe should have won. And Michael Jordan has a lot of MVPs, too. They always talk about Michael Jordan's MVPs that he didn't get. What about Kobe Bryant's that he didn't get because he was hated on? And, you know, of course, I see. You know, now I mentioned 2002-03, and I thought about that era, and, and now I just realized I never got into what I knew I had to get into, which was, of course, the Colorado incident. And the accusations that Kobe Bryant raped that girl. First of all, my opinion, I don't think he did it. I don't think he raped her. That's just me. Now, I think that when you look at Kobe's apology, what happened was it was a situation where Kobe thought that he had complete consent and he probably didn't. You know, if we're looking by letter of the law, you know what I mean? It's just... There's a lot of gray area here, guys. And, and just in that area of life, you just you know how it is. I just don't believe that he did it the way that it's said that he did. I know that she wrote a book about it. I think, let's be honest, a lot of people lie about that stuff. 
let's be realistic. People lie on athletes' names all the time. And let's not forget that I, I read that she was out like the next week at a party bragging about, oh, I, I slept with Kobe Bryant. Hmm. And there were other parts of that, but that's just all I wanted to get into with that because I've seen a lot of people on Twitter, oh, Kobe Bryant is a rapist just in case y'all forgot that. Like, how disrespectful can you be? Like, the man's daughter died. Like, nine people were killed. Show some respect. Show some freaking respect. That's just unbelievable how disrespectful people are nowadays. But, you know, go to the closing of Kobe's careers and... 2014, 15, and 16, listen, they were marred by injuries. It's just unfortunate. Like I said, I went to the game Christmas Day 2014. He was hurt. Couldn't play. It was unfortunate, you know. He passed Michael Jordan on the all-time scoring list. That was great to see. But it was it was sad because the Lakers were bad, and then they blamed Kobe. Nobody wants to play with Kobe. That's not it. It was terrible management. You don't think people wouldn't have played with Kobe? I'm telling you, LeBron would have came to the Lakers over the Cavs if they had proper management. LeBron would have been a Laker. He wanted to play with Kobe. A lot of people wanted to play with Kobe, but they didn't want to deal with Jim Buss. And you got to give Kobe Bryant credit. He could have just said, um, F this, I'm out. I'm going to the Spurs. Get me a ring. Get me two rings and pass Mike. Nah, he was going to stick with the Lakers his whole career, and that was just beautiful that he did that. And, of course, that leads full circle. You know, the first big moment of his career probably to a lot of people was the air balls in Utah back in those early playoffs. It comes full circle to his final game at the Staples Center against the Utah Jazz. I remember telling everybody that day, I'm like, Kobe Bryant's going to drop 50 tonight. You know that, right? You know Kobe's about to drop 50. Kobe, he's old. He might not even get 30. Come on, man. 50? He's going to get 50. Watch. He didn't get 50. I was wrong. The man dropped 60 points in his final game. Just an unbelievable game. Again, you know, I feel like like if you ask me like, "Oh, what's your top 5 sports memories of all time?" Or even memories really, top 5 sports memories of all time. Most of them are probably Kobe memories. I mean, non-Kobe memories that come to the top of my head are the the Malcolm Butler interception in the Super Bowl, Mm, the Patriots 28-3 comeback. Those two moments stand out. Uh, The Cubs winning the World Series. Uh, A couple Blackhawks moments that were pretty awesome, but even they wouldn't go as high as a lot of these Kobe memories, you know? Just so many great memories. You know, like I said, that regular season game against the Thunder in the 2012 season, the big comeback, the 2006 buzzer beater in game five against Phoenix, excuse me, uh, game four uh, against Phoenix, excuse me, to put them up 3-1. The 2010 finals winning the championship against Boston, 2009 winning his first title without Shaq. Um, the original moment that I watched, the first moment I ever saw Kobe, the Kobe to Shaq game, Blazers-Lakers game seven. I mean, just some of my favorite memories of sports are just Kobe memories, and it all boiled up. It all, it all rolled up into one fantastic finish of a contest in a game where, yeah, the Jazz were eliminated from contention that night because the Rockets had won their game. But do you really think that the Jazz knew that? 
I don't think so. I don't think the Jazz. I don't. A lot of players don't really check that stuff, to be honest. But the Jazz were eliminated from the playoffs. But people always like to say, "Oh, the Jazz gave them those points." No, they didn't. That that would be a disrespect to Kobe. And Gordon Hayward said, "No, nah, I was." That would be disrespectful to Kobe to do that. You know, we tried to stop him. They tried double teaming. They tried everything, and the man still dropped sixty. And not only did he drop sixty, remember. It was 94 to 84 with 312 to go in the game. Kobe had 45 points. Ends up scoring 15 points in a row. The Lakers come back to win the game. Kobe has 60 points. He finishes his career with an assist to Jordan Clarkson. Mizzou made with the dunk. And the Lakers win the final game of Kobe Bryant's career. Drop 60 points, man. Like, how awesome was that? Again, another moment that I just was i was shaking when he hit that fadeaway three to get to 56. And then he hit the jumper to get to 58. Then the two free throws. As his first career point was from the free throw line. His last career point was from the free throw line. Just poetic how it, it works like that. Kobe's beautiful, beautiful career wrapping up in the best way possible other than of course winning a hitting a, a game winning buzzer beater three at the buzzer for a game seven in the nba finals that that obviously would be the perfect career uh ending but th- at, for what we got it's as perfect as it could have been you know it's unfortunate that the lakers couldn't have better management to get kobe better teams in the later part of his career but kobe bryant the greatest basketball player of all time. You know, Michael Jordan was amazing. Michael Jordan was blessed enough to have an organization build around him, not him come in with another guy who was coming in as a star, an older star at that. Not an older star, I mean older than him. You know, Shaq was in the prime of his career when he came to the Lakers. Kobe was just a baby. Michael Jordan had a whole team to him, and then he got Scottie Pippen, a guy who was born to be his sidekick imagine if Kobe had a Scottie Pippen somebody who could take pressure off him defensively I mean in those those older years in the 2011 12 and 13 seasons the man was out there guarding point guards in a point guard driven he's guarding Kyrie Irving Steph Curry Russell Westbrook all these athletic point guards that he should not be guarding at his age he's out there guarding because he's their best hope Kobe Bryant's a 15-time all-NBA player the all nba team 15 times in his career he made the all defensive team 10 times in his career or excuse me 12 times in his career nine times on the first team three times on the second team Uh, he's a two-time scoring champion the dunk contest champion from 1997 both number eight and 24 retired by the lakers 11 times he was all NBA first team and twice he was all second team. He's a four-time All-Star game MVP, an 18-time All-Star, MVP of the 2008 season, five-time champion and a two-time Finals MVP. Just an unbelievable career. Like I said, it's very close between him and Michael Jordan. I hate doing these debates at this kind of point cuz it feels feels mute almost like does it really matter who's the best? after something like this but you know just just to take away from Kobe Bryant's career like listen the man was the most important person in my life that was 
like a non-family member, you know, or somebody who I, I would say, not maybe not a non-family member, somebody who I, I never met, I would say, for sure, 100%, by far the biggest impact on my life, by somebody who I, I never even met, you know, I never met the guy, and I, I never will get to meet him, and that's just, that was one of the depressing feelings is that, you know, my, my friend, he had tweeted, he said, I thought I had 40 years to get famous and meet him. And I thought the same thing. I thought I had a, about 40 years at least to meet him. And, you know, it's just like, that, that was my dream interview. I always thought one day changed the game. We'd get the episode with Kobe Bryant on the podcast. And I always envisioned that happening one day. And it, it's just so, it's, it's almost depressing just to think about the fact that it's never going to happen, you know? And also, you know, I, I forgot to mention, now that I'm looking at the All-NBA teams, he did make it twice to the All-Third team, uh, as well as the twice on the second team and 11 times on the first team. But again, just Kobe Bryant, the greatest basketball player of all time, but he was so much more than that. Husband, father, entrepreneur, storyteller i mean he loves telling stories and that's something that i loved about him he always felt like i mean what man calls jk rowling trying to learn how to write stories and believes that he can write as good as jk rowling he can do the same thing that's kobe bryant that's what he can do the mamba mentality that's what he lived by and i feel like that's what we should all live by you know you know to all the the kobe fans even if you aren't a kobe fan if you're feeling really sad about this you know you can it's, it's all right it's all right to be sad you know even if you never met him, if you cried about it, it's okay. There's nothing wrong with it. You know, he had an emotional attachment to him, like most of his fans did. And I don't think anybody should ever want to, like, suppress those emotions. Like, make sure you, you, you acknowledge your emotions, but also, you know, you have to move on. You have to do that. You know, even if you're sad, you have to honor Kobe Bryant. You know, Kobe wouldn't want you to be out here acting all depressed. He wouldn't want you to do that. He would want you to be attacking life. He would want you to live life in his honor. Use the mama mentality. You know what I mean? Like, it's just it's just that simple. Honestly, you know, if we all live life with mama mentality, society as a whole will be in a better spot. You know, if everybody lived life the way Kobe Bryant did, I think we would all have more successful lives. You know, I'm not saying that there aren't successful people and most of the successful people in the world are either A, just, you know, luckily born into it, or B, they, they work extremely hard for it, you know, and that's, you know, what did they ask Kobe? What do you want to be remembered as? He said, talented overachiever, and I think we can all take lessons in that in learning from, you know, you may have a lot of talent, but if you don't put in the work, you're never going to get the most out of it, and, you know, if you love something, you got to dedicate your life to to building that craft and perfecting it and doing the best that you can with your career and your path. And, you know, you just got to keep living. Just got to keep, you got to love life. You got to appreciate the fact that you're alive, you know, hug your loved ones, you know, make sure you tell people that you love them. Make sure that if, if you have a little beef with somebody where it's small, you know, cut it out, man call that person, you know, you, you're beefing with your brother over over a stupid bet or something or, or a dumb game that you lost or, you know, cut that out. There's, there's no reason to have beef because you just never know what could happen. You know, you don't want to 
have something like this happen where you're like, oh man, I, the last thing I said to him was this and I told him off and, you know, he was, you know, it's just not something that you want to have happen. So, you know, make sure you live life with that, with that Mamba mentality. And, you know, I want to say thank you for tuning in to change the game. This was, in my opinion, the most important episode I've ever recorded. It's, it's the longest episode, only by about five minutes or so, just because the last episode was obviously going to be such a long, you know, video talking about 23 years worth of movies. But this is, you know, just one man, one man. There's more to talk about than 23 years worth of movies It, you know, just, just goes to show how important Kobe Bryant was. He was he's one of the greatest. He's the greatest basketball player of all time. You know, and just such a heartbreaking way uh, for Kobe to go out and really his family and, and poor Gianna Bryant, you know, you have to honor, you know, poor Gianna. And that was, that was where I really wanted to touch on as well was Kobe's impact on women's basketball. And, you know, all these feminists who got things to say about Kobe why why aren't you supporting the WNBA? Why why don't more women support that? Those girls are hoopers. They can ball out there. They are great. And I think that it's a travesty honestly that people don't respect the WNBA more just because they're not dunking like LeBron or somebody doesn't mean they don't have a lot of skill. They could beat you with one hand tied behind their back. That's how raw they are at basketball and Kobe was doing a lot for women's basketball. Obviously, his daughter was she was a mini Kobe man. If you ever watched her highlights, she played like Kobe. He said she was better than him at her age. When he was thirteen, he wasn't as good as Gianna was at basketball, and it's just you know, and I, and I don't mean to make it seem like oh, it's sad because Gianna was going to be this great basketball player. That's not why it's sad. It's just sad that you know I I heart back to Star Wars. You know that. The common quote in Star Wars is fulfill your destiny. You hear Palpatine always says that you got to fulfill your destiny. You're fulfilling your destiny, Anakin. You know, when he turns to the dark side and everything. And it's just very, very sad that we never got to see Gianna Bryant fulfill her destiny. And that goes for Alyssa as well. You know, her 13-year-old teammate, she didn't get to fulfill her destiny, whatever her destiny was. For Gigi, all I know is that she was going to be the greatest women's basketball player ever. And she was going to change the game for the WNBA. You know, as we're, you know, change the game podcast, I was I was really looking forward to watching Gigi play in, in the, at UConn, even though I'm a Notre Dame fan, you know, I was, I loved how UConn put her jersey up. I think the Lakers should retire number two. I really do believe that the Lakers should retire number two. I think out of respect for Gianna. I don't think any Lakers should ever wear that number. Obviously, I think the NBA should change the logo to Kobe. I thought they should have changed it before, but I I really think that they should change the silhouette to him. Jerry West said he's totally cool with that. So I think the NBA should make it happen. I love what they're doing for All-Star Weekend. Team LeBron is going to wear number two for Gianna and Team Giannis is going to wear number 24 for Kobe. I think that's great. And they'll have uh, Kobe patches, I believe, on the jerseys as well. So I do love that. But again, 
you know, Gianna was just, she was going to be so great. And I think she was going to do so much for women's basketball. And I think that that's part of the problem of the WNBA is they just don't have that marketable star who you would know. You know, I mean, I remember the other day I asked my mom, I'm like, can you name one player in the history of the WNBA? And, you know, she's, she's a sports fan. It's not like she's, she's not like she's unaware or anything. She just doesn't watch WNBA. She said, no, she couldn't even name, you know, and me, you know, me being surprised, like you don't know Lisa Leslie or Maya Moore or Candace Parker, but you know, I'm more of a sports nut. So of course I know these people, but you know, the, the general public isn't going to know these WNBA players. I could tell you one thing, if Gianna Bryan had lived and been able to live her full life, you would have known her name and everybody would have known her. And I think she would have changed a lot for women's basketball. So, you know, I'm, I'm hopeful that maybe somebody can take that mantle and really push women's basketball because I'm rooting for women's basketball to be successful. I think Kobe was doing a lot for the women's game. And I think that's awesome. And and I think that girls are amazing at basketball too. I think it's really fun to watch the girls who I think they're great. You know, they're skilled. You know, it's not maybe it's not as good as the NBA, but so what? So what? They're not dunking over everybody. I think WNBA games are awesome. I think it's awesome if you're into the WNBA. And I think more people should support the WNBA. And I think that goes for me too. I think I should be watching the WNBA more. As much as I do like it, I don't watch it enough. I, I'll be the first to admit, I don't watch WNBA games uh, very often. And, and I got to change that. I got to watch WNBA more. I got to make sure I'm more consistent and supporting the women because they do a lot for the game of basketball. And listen, I think we can all take a lot in Kobe's footsteps. I think there's a stigma around men where we're all like hoping that we don't get a daughter. We all want sons, right? You know, of course, you know, you want a son as a guy, you want a son to go play professional sports or something, be an NBA superstar. Yeah. But Kobe Bryant, he loved being a girl dad. And I think we should all be, I think me personally, I don't care if I have a son or a daughter, either way, I'm going to love my kids. And I really hope that girls basketball can continue to move forward and push and make strides. Um, I'm in full support, especially if I have daughters you know, I've always said, I always said that I feel like me personally, I don't think if I have a son, I don't think my son would ever go professional in anything, but I think my daughters are going to be really good. If I have a daughter, I think she's going to be really good at basketball. That's just, that's just a feeling that I have, but, um, nevertheless, I'm going to try to support the WNBA more. And of course I'm going to support the NBA and all these players. And, you know, my heart goes out to, you know, Kyrie Irving, LeBron James, Jerry West, Magic Johnson, Shaquille O'Neal, you know, all these people have been really impacted by the loss of Kobe. Chris Paul, you know, Chris Paul and Kyrie couldn't even play their first games back. And I don't blame him. I wouldn't have played, especially not on Sunday. Kyrie found out at Madison Square Garden and left as soon as he found out. Don't blame him at all. You know, of course, my heart goes out to Kobe Bryant's beautiful surviving family, you know, Vanessa, Natalia, Bianca, Capri, Kobe Bryant, you know, this youngest daughter has his name, has, has her middle name, just beautiful, and Joe and Pam Bryant, his parents, and Sharia and Shia's sisters, you know, I just, my heart goes out to all of you guys, and all the families of everybody impacted the Altobelli family 
the Chester family, the Mauser family, and the Zabayan family. You know, just a horrible, horrible tragedy. And I hope we can all honor not only Kobe, but everybody who died. We can honor their legacy by living life with the Mamba mentality and trying to push forward. And just remember to, you know, appreciate your loved ones while they're here because you never know how much longer they're going to be here. And just appreciating life in general. And once again, thank you so much for listening to Change the Game. I had a lot to say, you know, like I said a little bit before, this is by far the most important podcast I've ever recorded. It's the longest. I don't know if I'll ever break a podcast longer than this for a while. You know, maybe a movie or something if I have like a super long list. Well, probably the when I had do the top 50 projects of the decade, which is coming out in a couple weeks, that may end up being longer than this, uh, possibly, but I don't really envision many other podcasts being longer than this one. I don't envision any ever being more important than this one to me, uh, just celebrating the life of, you know, Kobe and, and Gianna Bryant, you know, especially, of course, I'm going to say, especially Kobe just because, of his influence on my life and you know that's just me i'm not trying to belittle any of the other victims i think we get into this whole you know what's more important that's not what i'm saying you know it's so sad that we lost everybody that we lost in that helicopter crash and i do love what the nba has done as tribute to kobe so far hopefully they change the logo to kobe i think that would be right to do i don't necessarily think that everybody should retire the jerseys um i think the mavericks did a nice gesture retiring 24 but i think if players are wearing the number and they want to continue wearing it to honor kobe they should be allowed to because me personally i would have kept 24 if i was playing for like i don't know the bucks or something and i was wearing number 24 i wouldn't give up my number because i always played with 24 for kobe and i would continue to play with 24 for kobe now if i was wearing number two i would have given up number two I would have felt a type of way about wearing Gianna's number. I wouldn't have been able to do that. But, again, thank you so much for listening to Change the Game. Uh, enjoy the Super Bowl today. Obviously, 49ers and Chiefs. That's uh, going to be, hopefully, a good game. I didn't do a Super Bowl preview podcast. I apologize for that. This kind of messed up everything. So it was almost like a week break almost, and we'll start off with this. Uh, We'll be back at it again this coming week. You know, mama mentality, we're going to move forward, and we're going to move forward with our NFL season wrap-up. You know, real quickly, since I didn't do an NFL uh, podcast, I do think San Francisco is going to win the Super Bowl for the record, just for the record, 28-24, to you know. Not going to get any any more into that. Just wanted to put that out there for the record. That that's what I believe is going to happen. I think it's going to be a good game. But again, thank you for listening to this podcast. I know I've said it a bunch of times, but I really appreciate all of you listening. Whether this is whether you've listened to every episode so far, or if this is the first episode you've listened to, I thank I can't thank you enough for listening. Um, this one was really important. If you want to listen to other episodes, we've got a bunch of other content. Uh, great episodes that I've done before. Uh, go ahead and check that out. Uh, be on the lookout next week. The next episode is going to be NFL. We're going to wrap up the Super Bowl. Then after that, we got another movie podcast with my top 10 movies of the decade. Uh, then pretty soon, 
Star Wars Part 2, my second Star Wars podcast with a special guest. And of course, my first music podcast, which is going to be my personal top 50 projects of the decade. That's mixtapes and albums of the entire decade of the 2010s. So be on the lookout for that. Once again, thank you so much for listening. Uh, Rest in peace to all of the victims of that horrible helicopter crash. And of course, rest in peace, Kobe Bryant and Gianna Bryant. You guys have a great day. Enjoy the Super Bowl. And thanks for tuning in to Change the Game. RIP Kobe and Gigi.